Thanks for downloading this episode of On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, the podcast about how technology is changing the world of communications. To subscribe to the podcast or share feedback, visit us online at ontherecordpodcast.com, on Twitter at ontherecord, or send email to ontherecordpodcast at gmail.com. My guests today are Phil Gomes and Sam Ford. Phil Gomes, uh, many of you may have heard him on this podcast several years ago. Uh, Today he's the Senior Vice President with Edelman Digital, and he works from the agency's headquarters in Chicago. And he has a special understanding of corporate social media governance, as well as the intersection between corporate communications and online community mores and expectations. He's an educator and a counselor with regard to online community engagement, and he develops programs and frameworks that enable account teams and their clients to integrate digital thinking into communication strategies and tactics. And uh, most notably, he was the team leader at Edelman that guided the development of their well-regarded belt system, which is um, an online learning system for delivering a global standard for social media capability, accountability, and decision support at the firm. Um, and um, we also have Sam Ford. He's the Director of Audience Engagement at Peppercom, um, an affiliate with both MIT, Comparative Media Studies, Writing, and West Kentucky University, and co-author of Spreadable Media. He's also co-chair of the Word of Mouth Marketing Association's Ethics Committee and was named the 2011 Social Media Innovator of the Year by Bulldog Reporter. Uh, he's a Kentucky Press Association award-winning journalist, and um, both of their firms uh, were involved in a development with Wikipedia that we're going to talk about on this podcast. Gentlemen, welcome. Thanks, Thanks for having me, Phil. So let's sort of back it up for a minute and sort of start from square one here before we even get into the weeds. Talk, talk to us a little bit about the conflict of interest policy and how it works and, and sort of why this became an issue in the first place. Sure. I mean, um, your, your listeners have probably heard a lot of the uh, – a lot of the discussion online with regard to uh, corporations and public relations firms that represent them uh, editing their uh, Wikipedia pages in areas where they may or may not have a conflict of interest or in Wikipedian parlance, a COI. Um, now, obviously, there's um, you know there, there's some some ethical issues there, right? We don't you know you don't necessarily. Um, or I should say, you would want somebody with a more neutral point of view, ideally, uh, addressing that particular entry. Um, and so part of it, well, while there are some uh, public relations operators that um, have tried to go in um, somewhat clandestinely and that sort of thing, that doesn't necessarily mean that Wikipedia is a hands-off environment for public relations professionals. Uh, every Wikipedia entry is a so-called talk page where people can uh, discuss uh, the nature of the entry, and it's always appropriate for public relations people to um, to participate in those talk pages. Um, unfortunately, what's what's been happening is not only do you have uh, what I argue to be a, a small minority of, of PR folk who have attempted to clandestinely uh, edit entries, you also have a situation where um, the rules of Wikipedia are also very complex, and they do take time to – they're not difficult to learn, but they do take time to master. 
And sometimes some misunderstandings have cropped up uh, in that sense. And so that's why um, a couple of years ago, um, kind of recognizing that, you know, this is interesting because all of the energy is pointed at public relations people. Uh, very little of the energy is pointed to the conflict of interest in general. For example, uh, activists will very often get a free pass if they're caught editing an entry. Um, so I wrote a, an open letter to Jimmy Wales and Wikipedia talking about, you know, can we have a rational discussion about public relations contributions to Wikipedia and not simply dismiss it out of hand? So that happened in January 2012, and with the help of Mr. John Cass, who is a marketer in the uh, Boston area, um, and you know, we founded, I wouldn't call it an organization, just a group of aligned interests, uh, which we called CREW, uh, Corporate Representatives for Ethical Wikipedia Engagement, because literally all the good acronyms were taken, especially the ones starting with the letter W. Um, and then uh, that not only attracted PR people, but Wikipedians as well, who uh, either saw the value that a public relations person engaged in ethical practice might bring, um, but also saw that um, you know the, the, the ritual of public shaming wasn't really working as a motivator. Why not focus then on how to do things right? Um, a couple of years after that, um, uh, it, the, the, um, the brainchild of Mr. William Butler, uh, principal of Butler Inc., who said, okay, well, uh, like all good online communities, let's try to have a real-world experience of people sitting around a table and talking about this. And so he managed to convene uh, digital leaders from the world's leading agencies, um, academics like uh, Dr. Marcia Vistasso, uh, and uh, Andrew Lee, who literally wrote the book on Wikipedia, um, Wikipedia volunteers, um, and we we started discussing that you know, maybe the best way would be to uh, come together on um, on a, a multi-agency statement. And so, uh, uh, Sam, uh, Sam continued from here from from his perspective in terms of you know how how things went on uh, during that day, but that's what that's what brought us to the, the current topic. Yeah, I certainly, uh, my background is in academia, uh, and I do a lot of writing on participatory culture uh, and places where, where people come together as, as uh, publics online and uh, collaborate, often in discussion with media properties or brands, but, but in discussion in and around them as well. So uh, as you mentioned uh, at the, the, the top of the, the broadcast, I have my background uh, coming into this issue is on a focus of ethics and our profession. I've, I've been working for Peppercom since uh, 2007, and I still do work at, on the academic side as well. And I'm very interested in how uh, PR firms and their clients think about our obligation, not just to the organizations we're serving who pay the bills, but also our obligations to the audience. And these are big issues uh, in, in online community in general. Uh, questions of transparency and disclosure, but I find there, there are issues in particular on Wikipedia because of the prominence of the site, uh, being one of the 10 most popular sites, I think number six uh, uh, in the world, uh, because of its, uh, uh, its unique nature uh, and, and the fact that uh, on an entry, entries aren't uh, 
authored in the way that you, you know, engaging in another community would be, so it makes transparency even trickier. And as Phil said, there's also the complication of, of the fact that there are a lot of written uh, and a whole lot more unwritten uh, uh, rules of engagement in the Wikipedia community that aren't necessarily that uh, uh, obvious to the outside uh, uh, reader and which are in many ways uh, uh, smoothed over too much by a phrase like uh, the encyclopedia anyone can edit. Uh, and and uh, my background came at that larger larger ethical uh, focus, and uh, through my work with, with the Word of Mouth Marketing Association, came into contact with Bill, and was really intrigued uh, by this group of folks getting together the work that had been done in crew, uh, and this idea of bringing together academics, members of the editor community, uh, and uh, representatives from a range of, of, of PR communications firms, uh, because that sort of dialogue is basically what's needed to come up with something that's common sense that would help us figure out how we, we engage in that education campaign. So we came together in February uh, in, in Washington, D.C., uh, and, and spent the day, I would say, with uh, the agenda of having a productive conversation but not being too prescriptive about where it might go. But one of the things that came out of that day was the fact that uh, – on the Wikipedia editor side, and we heard from uh, uh, from both the academics and the and the uh, volunteer editors in the room uh, that they had heard far too uh, far too infrequently from uh, those firms who were trying hard to uh, engage in the appropriate manner and abide by the terms of use and the policies and procedures and uh, uh, and just knowing uh, that that there were professionals who took this seriously. Uh, who earnestly wanted to engage uh, in the way the site should be engaged in uh, might be a step in the right direction for having a productive conversation. But we also heard from the agency representatives in the room that in our field of communications and marketing, there's a, a deep need for more discussion around this because uh, a heavy proportion of the uh, of the violations of those policies are by people who, who do so out of ignorance, that uh, didn't realize necessarily what they're doing is, uh, uh, is, is in violation of the conflict of interest policy. Uh, and, and while there may always be bad players, uh, we could do two things. If we could make a statement and put ourselves on the record as setting ourselves up to a higher standard, uh, that, that would be good for our organizations, but maybe also we could educate our clients and uh, other agencies as to why this is important and uh, why some practices they may have engaged in in the past uh, are actually uh, a violation of, uh, of uh, the very ethos of the Wikipedia project. So uh, we had that meeting in February, and over the course of the three months following, worked not only to uh, craft that statement and then get sign-off from our various organizations, uh, but also to figure out how we wanted to roll this out. So it was important to us that this was published first as a statement on Wikipedia. There wasn't a big press release that was sent out. This was a statement uh, uh, made in the appropriate place on Wikipedia, not by a trade organization, but by our companies directly. And as far as I know... Um, if I could just interrupt for a second. Sam, yeah. what statement are you talking about? Oh, sure. So uh, <laughs> we, we published a statement uh, back earlier this month uh, on Wikipedia 
that basically uh, affirms that uh, our, it is the current policy of our respective companies that we uh, abide by the terms of use the, the, Wikipedia, the Wikimedia Foundation has and the policies of the Wikipedia project. Uh, that includes uh, uh, you know, uh, all policies related in, in particular to conflict of interest. So uh, basically, that uh, as Phil was saying earlier, that we, we disclose who we are. If we have suggestions to make, we're doing so in, in terms of the, the talk pages uh, and not making direct edits to pages. Uh, but really, that, that discussion was focused on the fact that, that we have uh, these policies in place, uh, and that it's a priority for us to enforce those policies internally and educate our industry uh, about these policies externally. Is there any pledge as to what the penalty would be if someone at one of your agencies did not comply with the terms of use? Not universally. Um, I mean, because I, mean, I, I don't think that Anyone could anybody in that room could presume to make policy for any of the other firms. Uh, in, in Edelman's case, um, an admonition about proper Wikipedia behavior has been part of the policy since about 2010. And um, you know, I don't I don't think the, the right way to go about it is is you know, oh my God, somebody did something. Hang on. Uh, I think if, if, if somebody is um, operating contrary to policy, I think that each organization um, should deal with it, you know, in their own way, um, depending, you know, I think on factors such as uh, how willful the infraction, how um, egregious the infraction, and, and that sort of thing. But I think to to say that there would be like a like a, a, a universal punishment across all signatories, I, I just don't think anybody would, uh, uh, would would actually presume again to make yeah. policy for somebody else. I also don't think there's anybody listening to this podcast who would expect that you, sir, Phil, could manage to be in charge of. I mean, it's a big. How many people at Edelman? How, how many employees? We're more than five thousand now. So I mean, there's no practical way that you're going you know, that accidents won't happen with that, with that many people. Somebody's going to make a mistake. But, and, but at the same but at the same time, I'll say that you know we've we've gone through some great lengths as as have other agencies to communicate the message. Some right? of the greatest, some of the greatest. Point taken. But what I wonder is like if you were to find someone who either because they were ignorant about the terms of use or because they were you know, blatantly out, outright gaming Wikipedia as a client service, I mean, if you found somebody who was doing that despite all the efforts you've taken, do you think a per- would a person be terminated or is there a past case where somebody has done that and was terminated for either of you? As to the, as to the latter case, um I'm not sure, and one doesn't come to mind. I mean, we've been communicating this pretty regularly. Uh, and as to the former case, I'm, I'm in really in no position to say what uh, what would get somebody terminated at Edelman. Uh, but I will say that um, certainly in instances where those infractions might happen, there's certainly plenty of education material and that sort of thing 
uh, available to an employee where if, if, some, if someone did happen to slip through the cracks and not get the message, uh, it would be very, very easy to remedy and quickly. But I would also encourage that, I would also encourage that employee um, to go to the talk page and say, oh, by the way, I have made this edit or, or that sort of thing, you know, just, just to sort of, you know, um, balance the ledger very quickly. Okay, so let's 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 loosen the ratchets a bit because I, I got it a little a little hot and a little tense a little earlier than I generally like to on this podcast. <laughs> so let's help me if you will understand how the press is interpreting this news. I'm looking at a bunch of headlines here, <laughs> and I'm looking at Ad Age. I'm looking at Time. I'm looking at Business Insider, and these are the headlines: Top PR firm. Top PR firms promise they won't edit clients' Wikipedia pages. PR firms vow they won't try to game Wikipedia. Um, major PR firms agree not to edit clients' Wikipedia entries. So you've got those, and then you've got the Wired headline. And the Wired headline is, Wikipedia clamps down on paid editors and sock puppetry. Two, di- two different pieces of news. Yeah. Okay, so talk to me about the more, more current one. Wikipedia okay. clamping so, down on, on paid editors and sock puppetry. So, um, you know, I, I, and I, I don't want your listeners to uh, take this as a, um, as, as a um, uh, me attempting to apply causality where it may or may not have existed. But uh, shortly after uh, the Donovan House story, I mean, this is what we kind of ended up calling ourselves, uh, once we uh, released that statement and started getting a lot of press, about a week later, the Wikimedia Foundation, which is the nonprofit that administrates Wikipedia, um, released an update uh, in terms of um, so-called paid editing. Right? So it was an update to their terms of use about, about paid editing. That's what that wired headline is discussing. Okay, uh, I'm looking at this update now. Talk to us about it. What's important about it? What do we need to know? I would say no. Oh, go ahead. Uh, if you agree with this characterization, uh, Phil, uh, the, the the update to the Wikimedia terms of use uh, is very much in line with the statement that we uh, had had released. And uh, while we didn't know that the that those terms of use would be updated, we knew there had been some longstanding discussion and plans to potentially update them. So, uh, so uh, to 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 reiterate Phil's point. Uh, you know, I think our dis- we realized our discussion was happening parallel to discussions happening within uh, the Wikimedia Foundation as well uh, about these issues, especially in light of some of the past uh, uh, very blatant in- infractions. But I think, long story short, uh, it uh, uh, it outlaws the sort of behavior uh, our pledge was uh, uh, very clearly stating we don't engage in anyway, anyhow. When I looked it over, what I got from it was, I mean, pretty much you've always been allowed to put on the talk page, hey, I think this is wrong, you know, here's who I am, and I'm, you know, I work for the company, so I'm not going to edit it myself, but I think it's wrong, here's why, here's a neutral third-party source, it's a link, I think you should update it. And, and, and so your statement is basically your agency saying, hey, we're, we're all going to do that. We're going to make sure everybody here does that. You know, we're not telling you what we're going to do if we don't do that, but, you know, here's our statement. Well, and then subsequently... And one, one thing I'll add to that is the statement does say 
that violations of this policy will be dealt with uh, according to the policies of each agency. So once, while, while Phil's right, you know, nobody's going to speak. You know, we all have different HR policies, and, and that is an HR matter. All the firms are committing that this is a part of the company's ethical commitment. It's part of our employee education, and that we do, will take any infraction of this statement seriously as an issue to be dealt with. We're not saying what the particular actions would be taken because that will differ from organization to organization. But honestly, just to be frank, I don't know that that would put anyone who has a good knowledge of the history of the public relations industry, including many of the firms that are signatories, um, at ease because many of these firms have been involved in egregious activities for which there has been no accountability. Well, and, and you know, I, I mean, there's, as I often tell people, we're going to do well by doing good. Um, and obviously going into this conversation, uh, public relations enters that conversation as a trust deficit, right? Um, to the degree to which people not in the trade are aware of public relations, it's simply, it, it's usually some combination of Samantha from Sex and the Sea, uh, Tony Curtis and Sidney Falco in Sweet Smell of Success, and uh, Colin Farrell character in Phone Booth, some, you know, caricature of all three. And we recognize that that's the case. But like I said, I mean, we're going to do well by doing good. And um, hopefully we can, you know, get the message out there that there are a goodly number of PR folks and firms who, A, want to do it right, and B, get it right a hell of a lot more often than they get it wrong. Now, you know, you were talking about problems with uh, headlines. Several of the headlines uh, implied or outright stated that it was the firms who signed on to this statement who had been the ones who were gaming Wikipedia prior. Mm -hmm. And as still uh, had attested to, similarly with, with Peppercom, you know, this has been our policy for many years now. Uh, and, uh, and, and, you know, many of the agencies involved haven't, uh, have had uh, none or, to my knowledge, very few situations that have ever arisen in the history of, of Wikipedia related to these firms in particular. So one of the, one of the things we were hoping to do with the statement is to, you know, to also uh, try to help uh, create a, a more nuanced public uh, perspective uh, that didn't lump the whole PR industry and all players within that industry into one uh, one category, but you can see from some of the press coverage that despite those efforts, there are still plenty who uh, who guessed by this. We were saying as of June whatever is the day the statement was published, we promised from that point forward we were going to quit what we had been doing the day before. You know, I've, I've told people I think that the bad image that we have in part is earned media on our industry's part because uh, we don't make ethics uh, a, a part of our industry discourse uh, nearly as much as we do strategies for effectiveness and the best tactics for having a social media campaign that gets the most impressions and, and that sort of thing. And, and so if there are people out there, our clients who are uninformed about this or uh, people coming out of school and into our firms or professionals who are joining from another firm, uh, you know, one of the reasons they're uneducated about this is because we may have uh, strong policies internally at many of our organizations, but it's not enough a part of the industry discourse. So while we, ha we made the statement in order to hopefully reach 
the editor community and Wikipedia readers, I think we also wanted to and have uh, uh, been quite pleased with the fact that our industry is having a, a more serious discussion on some of these issues, not as issues of just you know what what's uh, legal or what's compliance with federal uh, guidelines, but rather in this case, what's the right thing to do and what would the community expect of us. More on the PR industry's commitment to abide by Wikipedia's principles with Phil Gomes and Sam Ford after this. Up to now, most organizations have managed social media risk with a policy. Today, 80% of employers have a social media policy in place. 80%. That means almost every organization has a social media policy that its employees are expected to follow. The problem is, no one reads them. They sign for them and stick them in the bottom drawer. In fact, only two out of every thousand people read standard form contracts before signing them. That means your social media policy won't change anyone's behavior because no one reads it. At the same time, social media usage at work has become mainstream. Most employees use social media at work every day. Not just PR and marketing people, but everyone. Most employees use social media several times over the course of their workday. If they say or share something they shouldn't, and it's only a matter of time until somebody at your company says or shares something they shouldn't, your organization's reputation can be severely damaged. Now, if you're listening to this, you know social media meltdowns have become their own newsbeat. Every week, a new company is tarred and feathered for social media misuse. If you're in marketing or PR, you should know that at many organizations, social media misuse results in the reduction of digital marketing budgets and staff. So even if your department is knowledgeable on what is and isn't okay to do on social media, it's in your best interest to make sure others inside your company don't make foolish mistakes that impact your livelihood. Because if someone does or says something that gets your company in trouble online, your social media marketing activities are going to be scrutinized and possibly even eliminated. But there is something you can do to protect your company and yourself. You can make sure your people are trained in social media compliance. Don't be fooled. Social media compliance isn't just for regulated industries. Whether you're regulated or not, if you're not certifying your workforce in social media compliance, social media is a communications crisis waiting to happen. Now is the time to protect your company and yourself by ensuring employees understand their obligations to comply with your organization's social media policy. And we can help. We have the broadest, deepest library of ready-to-go, off-the-shelf, social media compliance training courses that you can use to train, assess, and certify your workforce in social media compliance. Our courses are all pre-recorded, on-demand, with assessment questions to ensure knowledge transfer. You even get a record of who's been trained in what. We have courses on social media compliance, social media ethics, social media transparency and disclosure, social media privacy, desktop and mobile security, social media surveillance, and more. We even have training on how to use social media effectively for business. If you're not training your people in social media compliance, it's not a question of if, 
But when a social media meltdown happens on your watch, we have a solution for training, assessing, and certifying your workforce in social media compliance, ethics, privacy, and security. Social media misuse at work has skyrocketed in the last 12 months. Don't wait for your department to get downsized, your budget to get slashed, or your job to be eliminated. Go to complysocially.com and find out how we can protect your brand against social media misuse for as little as $5 per employee. Phil, are you updating your courseware um, to teach this Wikipedia compliance to Edelman employees? No update necessary. you know, I mean, it's, it, it not only has it been part of our online behavior policy for some time, but um, early, well, let's see, at the, at the end of last year, I think that's when we rolled it out, at the end of last year, we rolled out um, uh, sort of a companion piece to our online behavior policy, which was uh, instead of being sort of a click and read that marches people through each step, what we do is we drop employees into these um, simulated ethical situations uh, and then uh, they respond, you know, A, B, C, or D, how would they uh, react to it? And uh, one of those, one of those uh, simulations uh, among many uh, is Wikipedia engagement. So. Got it. Now, um, <clears throat> I have to thank you guys because it seems like to do what you've done here requires an incredible sense of optimism about the future of the PR industry you know, in, in this world where there are few trade outlets left and in many cases we are the media for our clients. Um, you know, when you look at the economics of the business, when you look at the fact that you know the clients are still coming to you for specific deliverables, and you know in their eyes your time is their money, what sort of education do you think needs to happen at the client level so that client expectations are not driving PR? practitioners internally, either at the agency or practitioner, independent practitioner level, to, you know, try to do as much as they can in a little period of time just to show value and keep the retainer coming in. Yeah, well, you know, that's where I think ethics come into play in, in particular. I feel like our industry as a whole has too often accepted the seat far too uh too far away from the, the table of the of the key decision makers that we have been we've acted as vendors in places where we should be providing strategic counsel and we have uh, sometimes in seeing ourselves as vendors haven't done the sort of ethical due diligence as an industry that we should and that would allow us to come back to our clients and give them much better guidance uh, uh, in the process uh, if we see ourselves as, as uh, true partners and I can speak from firsthand. Uh, example, we've had many clients who have come to us asking for things on Wikipedia that showed they didn't understand the site at all, 
uh, and allowed us to be a strategic partner to help them understand. Uh, and, uh, and we've also had plenty of clients who've gone elsewhere from firms who probably reached out to them and said, we can help you create Wikipedia pages for all those product lines you'd like to have or fix that uh, those, those annoying edits that you don't want on your page. And, and they didn't understand why that was was wrong. And, and I think it's a great opportunity for those who do engage ethically in our industry to prove our worth to a client beyond just that sort of uh, time as money vendor-based uh, sort of arrangement that you've described. There was a, a news break uh, five days ago. I'm going to read you the headline. And, and this sort of gets into a claim that I heard actually Shell Holtz make on this week's uh, forum media release. Um, and he was discussing with, with Neville Hobson this whole incident, um, um, you know, the, the statement that you guys had all signed and, and, um, and, and the history of, uh, of crew. And, uh, and what he said was, you know, if you're going to see the monetary exchange, material relationship as a potential conflict of interest, what about social and political issues? And so let me read you this, uh, this headline here. Lawsuit, rogue Wikipedia editors conspired to manipulate Wikipedia pages to ruin reputation of philanthropist charity he co-founded. Um, the suit names three Wikipedia editors along with one identified only as Does150, the lawsuit says that false statements and manipulation of his page cost the former Louis Louis lead singer business to the tune of more than $10 million. Uh, plaintiffs are informed and believe, and they are alleged that the statements published and posted by defendants are defamatory per se because they are viewed as so serious that they can naturally cause harm and the existence of injuries as presumed from the fact of publication the complaint alleges. You guys see more stuff like this? You follow these types of developments where someone gets sued for defamation or harassment or discrimination um, as a result of a Wikipedia page? And is it enforceable? Can you walk us through anything related to this? I have, I have one situation where I had a client call me who, uh, who was actually nervous about his Wikipedia page because it was... Uh, it was too laudatory. <laughs> it was kind of an unusual situation where he goes, he goes, well, um, you know, I, I never donated that much money to this, you know, music school, and I, I never donated this much money to a, uh, it was a preservation society of some type, right? So, um, you know, I, I've actually run into the opposite issue. It, 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 you, you do have situations where, where people are, uh, more concerned about accuracy than uh, perhaps burnishing their their uh, reputation. But you know, on the other side, you know, I have seen documents um, uh, in like uh, pretrial discovery and that sort of thing where um, lawyers and activists were actively uh, telling their uh, con their clients or constituencies to uh, alter Wikipedia pages and. You know, whether money changes hands or not uh, directly, I mean, that is most certainly in my mind a conflict of interest. Um, you know, nobody except very few folks who look at the situation from an intellectually honest perspective um, 
very few folks saw that as, you know, a quote-unquote conflict of interest, but it most, it most certainly is. Um, and so, you know, you, you see those situations where, um, you know, people, you know, have a right to be, um, you know, perhaps uh, concerned about what shows up on the sixth most trafficked website in the world under their name. Um, but, you know, I would argue that, um, you know, the, the, the so-called, the, the, the demon troll of paid editing uh, is only a, a very small part of the problem that people with conflicts of interest to, um, you know, will either do such things or um, maybe it's maybe indirectly there is a monetary um, concern in that, you know, you would imagine if, uh, a particular uh, a particular nonprofit organization or activist organization uh, drums up donations based on how effective it is perceived to be. Um, part of that um, part of that notion of efficacy might have to do with their ability to alter sites like Wikipedia. So I mean, it, it is an incredibly complex issue, but unfortunately, it gets conflated with this notion of paid editing, right? Yeah, and, and the legal complexities stretch far beyond Wikipedia as an example in particular. Now, there are all sorts of questions about who is or isn't a public figure and what is or isn't permissible in online conversation because the distinction between what's public communication and what's private communication uh, is uh, a very blurred line these days. And, you know, alongside the, you know, the act of sharing, uh, uh, helping circulate so much information now, I've seen interesting lawsuits filed that questions if you retweet or pass along some information that's uh, certainly incorrect and, and, and uh, derogatory toward an individual, what is your culpability uh, in doing so? So I think that conversation has to be uh, put in context of that, that larger issue. But, you know, one of the things we wanted to do with this statement was to say, too often we're, we're an industry in, in PR, marketing, communication, that focus on compliance uh, to, uh, and legality uh, instead of ethics or think of them as interchangeable. And I think, uh, you know, part of our question here is to you know, use practice empathy. If we put ourselves in the shoes of the audience we're trying to reach, what would they expect from us? And how do we make sure we, we, we make good on that? Uh, to, you know, to go back to an earlier question, well, one of the things we found, it has happened to Peppercom since this statement has come out, and it's happened to other agencies who signed on. There have been Wikipedia editors and others who started going through our history, our clients, some of our clients' history, and trying to find examples where they could catch us in a contradiction. And, and uh, you know, one of the things we tried to have tried to forewarn the agency wanting to sign on to this statement is, uh, uh, you know, this isn't an empty gesture. You uh, need to be prepared to sign on and be sure that you'll follow through and are prepared for scrutiny for what you've done in the past as well because uh, we've already had it happen. I love this idea of this meeting in D.C. Were you guys there and were you wearing disguises? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what, what was and, and again, hats off to William Mueller for, for uh, getting all of us together. But because, I mean, here we have around the table a group of people who compete pretty, you know, head to head, not only in terms of, not only in terms of business, but um, most definitely in terms of talent, right? In terms of the 
the, the talent war in uh, public relations, and particularly digital. Um, and I mean, I, I think that I think that William brought all the right people together. Uh, brought in um, you know, Wikipedia volunteers of note who uh, kept us on, kept us honest. Um, brought in uh, Andrew Lee, I mentioned a little bit earlier, um, journalism professor, and um, again he wrote uh, he wrote that book on Wikipedia. Uh, Marsha Vistasso, who is now two years running, has uh, produced uh, for Penn State the um, uh, sort of the, the, the you know, the only research out there about the uh, intersection between public relations and Wikipedia. Um, it was just, I mean, with all those personalities around the table, um, we could have very easily gotten very derailed, but um, William kind of, he, he kept us you know, on plan and agenda, and by the end of it, we were, uh, you know, nodding our heads about what, uh, what exactly needs to be done from there. So I'd like yeah, to propose... People, uh, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead, Sam. Uh, I was going to say, people came into that meeting, too, I'll say, around the table with their sleeves rolled up, ready to have an honest conversation. There wasn't any posturing by right. any of the sides involved. And, and, and I'll speak for a moment among just the, the competitive firms that were there. You know, there was uh, there was not much discussion of here's what we do and how it's better than what you do. None of that happened. Uh, there was instead very much this focus that instead of going through a trade organization, if our if, if our organizations and I say this with Peppercom being one of the smallest agencies at the table, uh, and the fact that some of those agencies around the table, you know, the market share that was that was uh, spoken for at that table was uh, a very significant portion of our industry. There was this agreement that if we made this statement not through uh, an organization first, but as our individual firms and put our own reputations directly on the line uh, with this statement, that uh, we hoped that would be understood as a significant gesture. Because I don't know of any uh, situation prior to this where uh, the you know these sorts of agencies involved have come together to do something directly like this outside of an industry trade organization relationship. So I'd like to wrap this up with the discussion about uh, Phil, your recent blog post about this, which I thought was so interesting. This your 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 argument was that there are reasons why PR practitioners will only be as good at online community engagement as they are at participating in Wikipedia. So why do you say that? Because it Wikipedia very much cues um, to the hacker ethos, right? And so the hacker ethos as crafted by, um, you know, the, the great innovators that uh, came out of MIT and Stanford and... Um, you know, and, and, and it's an ethos that governs the open source community, which, as you know, I'm, I'm very passionate about. Um, you know, Wikipedia is is an outgrowth of that, and you know, it, it's one of those things where it, it's amazing that, given as many people as you know, with their different uh, interests and agendas that contribute to Wikipedia, the whole thing doesn't fly apart, right? But one of the things that drives the hacker ethos is a notion of what they call no bogus criteria. And bogus criteria 
as defined by the hacker ethos is uh, are, are things like um, you know, race, gender, creed, religion, but most relevant here is title and, and perceived authority. And when you go into a, a, an environment like Wikipedia, certainly there are there's some evidence of some power loss there, that there are some super editors and that sort of thing. But if the company wants to be, or communications department wants to be successful in Wikipedia, they, they have to take the sort of the, the, a reliance on authority and hierarchy out of their toolbox. And, and I argue that, that, that public relations um, is very comfortable with the notion of hierarchy. It's very comfortable with the notion that it's... Um, if, if, if there's a, a, an assistant editor that, and, and there's a scrape going on that you go to a managing editor or an editor-in-chief or that sort of thing, it's very used to hierarchy. And, I, and, and what's relevant about Wikipedia is, for the most part, it strips all that away. And it just comes down to how persuasive a case can you, can you make. And frankly, depending on on um, the Wikipedia that you might encounter, um, how persistent are you in making that case, right? And, and I think that, um, you know, this isn't an area where you can, you know, pay to get more likes and shares or anything like that. It really comes down to um, the, the degree to which you can make that argument uh, persuasive on its own terms. You know, I, I do like this idea of, of Wikipedia as a particularly good testing ground or case study for what is a, a larger lesson to be learned in online community in general. You know, one, of, one of the things that frustrates me most is we call our industry public relations, but we've spent uh, a lot of our history as, a, as, a, as an entity um, trying to uh, relate to the public as little as possible. Uh, so if you think about, you know, PR as press relations, there's that focus of really you only need to get to know the journalist covering the space to reach the community you want to reach. And, and when the online world came through, there was some idea, too, uh, of, uh, of only needing to get to know the influencers in a space, right? That the, the whole notion that there's some shortcut to the actual hard work of, of uh, listening to and putting yourself in the shoes of the whole public you're trying to reach and, and get to know them and understand the social dynamics. And, and, and I think Wikipedia is a great example uh, where that idea that there's a shortcut and there's one guy you need to know uh, or uh, one person in power, to, to, to your point, Phil, is stripped away. But that lesson is, is certainly broadly applicable far outside Wikipedia, and it shows you, you know, why our industry still is so bad at, at true public relations and, and other online community spaces as well. We've been talking to Phil Gomes and Sam Ford. Gentlemen, I want to thank you for joining us. And I also want you to um, tell us where we can find you and uh, connect with you online. Phil, let's start with you. Sure. Um, you can always find me uh, at Phil Gomes on Twitter. That's P-H-I-L-G-O-M as in Mary, E-S as in Sam. And uh, everywhere I might publish is uh, wrapped up on philgomes.com. And I'm on Twitter at Sam underscore Ford. And... Uh, uh, I write uh, recurring columns at 
Inc. and uh, HBR and, and, and uh, uh, Fast Company, but if I did it, I'll probably tweet about it. So that would be as good a place as any. And we'll have links to their profiles and their writings on the show notes for this podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Brad. You've been listening to On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, the podcast about how technology is changing the world of communications. To subscribe to the podcast or share feedback, visit us online at ontherecordpodcast.com, on Twitter at ontherecord, or send email to ontherecordpodcast at gmail.com.